0: Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. When you get there, mark that passage of Scripture, please, and turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 5. Part of the mystery is that we are living stones. Build up a spiritual house, holy priesthood, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And as living stones, we are to serve Him. Wherever we are and whatever we're doing, it's all about bringing praise and honor and glory to Him. I'm thankful for those who serve, aren't you? For those who share, for those who minister, for those who direct us as living stones. As we have looked at 1 Peter, we have discovered that Peter is talking to exiles. Exiles who are elect, exiles who are trying to live out their lives to the honor and glory of God. And Peter gives to us some understanding about stones, recognizing that as we live our lives and journey, we do this together. Let me give you an outline, remind you of the outline of 1 Peter so that you can put some parameters around our study. Chapter 1 talks about suffering that proves our faith. Chapter 2 tells us we have a testimony like Christ. Others are watching in chapter 3, chapter 4, nothing else but God. Chapter 5, elders must serve humbly. And then he ends this by reminding us to stand firm. And be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And all of this is according to the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. A verse that we have been working on. A verse that I trust you have been memorizing. A verse that we need to understand. If we can go to that next side, please. Thank you. For this is the will of God. This is God's will that by doing good... You should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Let's read or quote the verse together. We'll start with the reference, 1 Peter 2.15, all right? Read, quote the verse, and we'll end with the reference. Here we go. 1 Peter 2.15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. 1 Peter 2.15. And why is that so important? It's important because others are watching. Our outline again. Chapter 3, others are looking at us, trying to see in us the wonder of what God has done in our lives. Now, last week, we looked at the end of chapter 2. And we discovered the fairness of life. Life is not fair. And we all know that. But even though life is not fair, we should still do good to put to silence the foolish talk of ignorant people. This morning, we are going to look at the family. God has given to us an opportunity to be a testimony for His glory by being family. The first institution that God brought into being was the family. The second institution that God brought into being was that of the government. And then in the New Testament, He gives to us the church. Let me tell you something. If the family fails, the government will fail. If the family fails, the government will fail, and the church will fail. And that's why it's so critical that we understand something about the family. Bob and Pat Mullinex were here during Sunday school. They still, there they are. Bob, Pat, congratulations. Last week you celebrated 65 years of marriage, huh? Norman, Joanne Carey also celebrated 65 years of marriage. Dennis, Tina, today, 41 years of marriage. Give them a round of applause, huh? We'll give Tina a Purple Heart. Not really. (laughs) But the family is critical, folks. You see, we all think it's just love and roses and picket fences when we get married. But the reality is that the family is that which God has intended so that we can learn together. Look at this. It doesn't take long for newlyweds to discover that everything in one person nobody's got. Nobody has everything you want. And a marriage license is a learning permit. Right? Soon learn that a marriage license is just a learner's permit. And ask, sometimes with agony, is there life after marriage? The answer is yes. But the reality is that we must do it God's way. Now a lot of us are looking to the secret of marriage. Bob, Pat, what's the secret of 65 years? Doing what? What? <laughs> Bob's secret for 65 years is him keeping his mouth shut. Dennis, Tina, what's the secret of 41 years? <laughs> I would agree with that. Tina's number one being each other's friends. Those are the secrets. Now, if you look at the secrets of marriage, you get a lot of ideas. Let me suggest a few to you. Number one, expect less, get more from your partner. That's a good secret of marriage. Number two, give incentives, get rewards. If you incentivize somebody, encourage somebody, minister somebody, you'll get something back. Number three, have daily briefings, improve your communication. Good thought. Number four, implement change. I don't care how long you've been married, but you're not the same person you were yesterday or the day before or 30 days ago or 30 years ago. Number five, keep costs low and benefits high. It doesn't take a lot sometimes. Now this came from Psych Central, all right? That was was a psych kind of thing, right? Let me give you some from the focus on the family. Ten. Ten ways that you can improve your marriage. Number one, focus on the family. Here we go. Happiness is not the most important thing in your marriage. If you got married just so that you can be happy it won't work number two couples discover value then you just got to show up all right sometimes partners don't show up number three do what you always do and you're going to get the same result anybody talk about insanity of marriage Huh? isn't that true number four attitude does matter number five change your mind and change your marriage i like that one number six the grass is greenest where it, where it is the most watered. Think about that. Mm-hmm. The grass is greenest where it is the most watered. Number seven, to change your marriage, change yourself. Number eight, love is a verb. It's not just a feeling. Number nine, marriage is often fought between your ears. Mm-hmm. It's not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Proverbs puts it this way, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And lastly, crisis does not mean that your marriage is over. There are all kinds of crises in marriage. You do not spell successful marriage, L-O-V-E, you spell successful marriage, W-O-R-K. Now, God has given to us his formula for successful marriage. Are you in Ephesians chapter 5? I just want to read this passage of Scripture, and then I want just to bring out two truths. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, the, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church, however, Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let each and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So what are the keys? May I give them to you in two words? Husbands, love. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is a self-sacrificing, Love, a putting aside of one own interests. Christ did that, didn't he? Wives, respect. Respect your husbands, give them leadership, honor them, encourage them, minister to them, share in their lives, recognizing that we have a responsibility to live within the framework of how God has put this institution together as husband and wife. Now, you'd be be sitting there today and say, well, I'm not a husband-wife family. It's okay. Because these truths apply in our relationships with each other. Are we not to love one another? Hmm? By this shall all men know that we are His disciples, if we have what? Love one for another. Are we not to respect each other and share in each other's lives and minister to one another and encourage one another? And the Bible says so much the more as the day is approaching. I'll tell you what, the coming of Jesus Christ is closer today than it's ever been. It's closer today than it was yesterday. Amen? And it may be tomorrow. It may be today. So these truths, no matter where we are in life, are applicable Now, how do we live them out in our lives? Peter's going to tell us. So go to 1 Peter chapter 3, please. 1 Peter chapter 3. And recognize that these instructions for us are those instructions we are to live as elect exiles. These instructions we are to live according to the will of God so that we can put to silence. Silence by our good deeds, the ignorance of foolish men. These instructions that God gives to us are instructions so that our light will shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. Likewise, wives... Be subject to your own husbands, so that even as some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, God, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, notice small l there. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, second likewise, likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers be not hindered. Love, respect. Put together in such a way that it forms a unit that brings honor and glory to God. Wives, respect your husbands. Now how does Peter flesh that out? Peter begins to help us understand that wives, analyze your actions. Recognize that God has given to you a very special role to play. And we need to recognize that our actions do have consequences. Billy Graham's wife was asked one day what a marital relationship looked like. How she was to live out her her role. And she said this, it's my job to respect Billy. It's God's job to make him good. Peter begins by saying that wives are to analyze their actions. Many think that marriage is a reformatory, that I can change the person that I am living with, that I can make them something different than they ought to be. But the reality is only one's person's actions can be controlled and that's yours. You cannot make anybody do anything they don't want to do. And so Peter says, likewise, wise, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some don't obey the word, if they're unbelievers, they may be won without a word by your conduct when they see your respectful and pure heart. Why is that true? Because we represent Jesus Christ. We are to make sure that our actions are the actions that represent Jesus Christ in everything that we do. But not only are we to analyze our actions, we're also to give an attractive attitude. Did you notice the text? There's a contrast in the text between external and internal kinds of things. The external is the outward adorning. The internal is that of the hidden person. And Peter here reminds us that the internal is much more important because the internal reflects the external. I have three siblings. Two brothers and a sister. Each of them is married. I'm so glad I have Connie as my wife and not the other mates. I know what the other mates require. I know what the other mates demand. I know what the other mates pressure into the marriage relationship from my perspective. And I am so glad I married Connie. I got the pick of the litter. Now, in her family, the litter only contained two, Connie and her sister. But I got the pick. And as I look around, I got the pick of the litter. I got the best wife that anybody could ever have. I married up. We all did? Well, I don't know about you, Dennis, but I know I did. Connie has always, always... focused on her relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I appreciate that. Connie's prayer life is an example to me. Connie's ministry to our families is an example to me. Connie's inward spirit is an example to me. And she is the most beautiful woman because of that. That's what Peter says. It's not about what color your hair is. And by the way, we've forgotten what Connie's original color was. (laughs) And it changes. Mine just gets gray. Connie's changes. Connie just said move on please. I thought I was entitled to that after all those other compliments. <laughs> but it's not about the external. It's not about the new clothes. It's not about the jewelry. It's about that internal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. When you got up this morning and you got ready to come to worship at Calvary Baptist Church... What were you mostly concerned about your external appearance or your internal relationship with God through his Son Jesus Christ? What you look at the most Did you more spend more time in front of the mirror prepping and pruning or did you spend more in time making sure that you were right with God? What was your emphasis this morning? Makes a difference, doesn't it? Peter says the most important part is the inward. And the most important part of our lives is making sure that our internal reflects the one who has given to us everything. Charles Swindoll says this Adornment is important, but not nearly as important as attitude. If the internal attitude is right, it's amazing how much less significant one's external appearance becomes. Wise is the wife who watches both. The reality is that many times believers internally look like unmade beds. Think about that. And we don't spend a lot of time, do we? making sure that we're the kind of people that God wants us to be. The external is to reflect our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, wives, respect. Analyze your actions. Have an attractive attitude, not externally, but internally the honor and glory of God and give some attention to examples. We all need mentors in our life. Do you have somebody that you look up to? Do you have somebody who looks up to you? Do you have a Paul in your life that you, you follow and And C is one who gives to you an illustration of how you're to live the Christian life. Do you have someone like a Timothy who's looking up to you to to find that illustration and live out the Christian life? Peter here gives us an example, Sarah. Now Sarah didn't have it easy. Sarah was childless until her old age. And then when God told her she was going to have a child, she laughed at that. You would too if you were in your 90s. And your husband was in his hundreds. And when asked about that, Sarah says, how in the world can Abraham give me children? And yet in Sarah's life, she respected her husband and his leadership. Verse 6, as Sarah, as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord an illustration of respect and you are his, her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is right. Sarah laughed said after I'm worn out in Abraham's old how shall I have the pleasure of a child? And then God said to Sarah, "Is anything too hard for the Lord?" You may be in a difficult marriage situation right now, family situation. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And that's Lord, here am I, change me wherever you are. You may not change your mate. You may not make your circumstances a lot different. God can change you, and you can see illustrated time and time and time again, God's working in people's lives. Husbands, husbands, love. And here again, Peter gives to us some ways that we are to love. Verse 7, likewise, you husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Abide with your wife, live with your life, have a deep intimacy, companionship, don't try to change them, don't try to manipulate them. Somebody says you can never know a woman. Have you ever heard of the rules according to women? Number one, the female makes the rules. Number two, the rules are subject to change at any time without prior notification. Number three, no male can possibly know all the rules. Number four, if the female suspects the male knows all the rules, she must immediately change some or all of the rules. The female is never wrong. If the female is wrong, it is because of a flagrant misunderstanding which is a direct result of something the male did or said that was wrong. If rule number six applies, the male must apologize immediately for causing the misunderstanding. The female can change her mind at any given point in time. The male must never change his mind without express written cons- consent from the female. The female has every right to be angry or upset at any time. The male must remain ca- calm at all times unless the female wants him to be angry or upset. The female must, under no circumstances, let the male know whether or not she wants him to be angry or upset. Any attempt to document the rules could result in bodily harm. If the female has PMS, all rules are null and void. (laughs) Peter says, likewise your husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. We live in a day and age of lifelong learning. And I have the responsibility as a husband to learn more about my wife today than I knew yesterday. Many of you have asked about Connie's health, and I am so thankful that she is here this morning. Her day-to-day health is dependent upon her day-before activity. And as I said several times this morning, yesterday she chased grandboys. So she's tired today. It's also dependent upon her night of rest. And last night I slept well. In fact, I slept so well that Connie went to another room. Some of you understand what that means. But over the past number of weeks in our lives, we have learned more about each other than we knew before we have shared in ways that we'd never shared in 44 years of marriage. Some I would have chosen, some I would not have chosen. That's okay. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor. Giving honor unto the wife. As a Your translation may say weaker vessel as a valuable, precious vase. You know the difference between a vase and a vase? About a thousand bucks. Let me tell you what. My wife is a priceless vase. And that demands love and respect. You know, it's interesting as pastors are called to different church ministries to kind of analyze the process. I remember when Connie and I were called to Calvary Baptist Church, and it's such a joy to serve you. And if you'll read Connie's note of thanks on the back of your bulletin, it'll give you an idea how, about, how we feel about walking this journey together and sharing in each other's lives. But, it, but it's interesting to, to analyze what different churches ask. I'll never forget when we were called the First Baptist of Rochester some 25 plus years ago, we had an interview with the whole congregation. And they not only interviewed me, the prospective pastor, they interviewed my family. Our oldest daughter at the time was in ninth grade. And they asked her this question, Jill, how is your dad's discipline? Discipline. Would you like to be a pastor and have your kids answer that question? Her answer, impromptu answer, was this. Well, it works. Connie was asked this question. How does your husband treat you? How would you like to be interviewed for a pastor and have your wife ask that question? Never forget her answer. Remember what it was, baby? He treats me like a queen. Giving honor unto the wife as a weaker vessel. Showing that honor shows love. So, wives, Respect your husband. How? Look at the illustration of Sarah. Work on the inside of things. Understand that in your life, you have to analyze your actions and figure out how you're going to do that because it doesn't come naturally. Husbands, love your wives, abide with her, go through this exercise. And recognize how precious she is. Why? Because you're partners. You're partners. And as partners, you are heirs together of the grace of life. And you do this so that your prayers are not hindered. You're partners together. And this all started, folks about living out the will of God, right? That by our good works we can put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And if people can't look to us and find out what family relationships are all about, they'll live their lives like all in the family. (laughs) Remember Archie Bunker? Edith Bunker? That dysfunctional family with glory and meathead. its not how God designed it. God designed it because we are partners of the grace of life. Grace. Giving to someone what they do not deserve. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that he'll pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins.